Hear now a story from the Gospel of Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers out into the harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone in that house returns that peace, shares in that peace, then your peace peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Remain in that house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. Do not go from house to house. Now, when you enter a town, if they greet you and welcome you in, Then eat what they provide and cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And when you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say this, even the dust of your town that that is on our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, be with us all in this time where we Seek to hear your word. Be with me as I preach, that there might be something of your truth in my words. And be with us all as we listen for the truth of your story in our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So that is true. I uh, wrote the sermon title and it rhymed, so I was really excited. I I am always so jealous of Patrick's sermon titles, and so I thought, like, usually my sermon titles are like, on scripture, or on the Holy Spirit, but like, souls and trolls, that's a good sermon title, right? Um, and, And so I'm trying to work it in a little bit in the beginning here, but it isn't the focus, it's the, it's the, it's the thing that we'll stop at on the way. 
This, <clears throat> this text from Luke has been used as a, as a text for evangelism. It's about Jesus sending out the 70 to go and tell people that the kingdom of God has come near. And, uh, and I was excited when I read it because I'm actually preparing for a, a speaking engagement in a couple of weeks where I have been asked to be a keynote speaker at an evangelism conference which is kind of hilarious to me. Um, because I, for so many years, the word evangelism uh, was met with suspicion by me. And I think for many of you, it remains that way. When I hear somebody identify as an evangelist or talk about evangelism, I need to poke a little bit and hear just what it is that they mean by that. So, but back to the trolls. Some of you might not know what trolls are. They're, they're uh, beings that live under bridges. But in the internet world, they are people like you and me who, who wait for the opportunity to offer their own opinions and criticism, sometimes rather harshly, on the interwebs. So it, this is all coming together, believe me. So I'm, I'm speaking at this conference in a couple of weeks, and the Presbyterian News Service interviews me and puts out an article. I'm sure you all read it um, about, about storytelling and, and what I might speak about, which is good, because I wanted to know what I was going to speak about, too. And, and, and somebody else posted it on their Facebook feed for other people to connect to and read, and only one person commented. And the person said, the Presbyterian Church has no, I'm paraphrasing here, has no idea what it's doing with evangelism. And I don't know where you're getting this person, but, uh, but clearly, because of this article, they were moved to say the Presbyterian Church has no idea what it's doing about evangelism. And they should have asked this person who has brought this number of people to Christ. Many people think that evangelism is about the numbers game. How many people have you brought to Christ? I won't be speaking on that. I think what I see in this text is that evangelism is about relationship building, which is also called kingdom building. We don't need more people saying, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. But we need more relationships. The reality of our world, as Larry so eloquently preached about in part last week, is that we are more divided than ever. Not just in our current political climate, but on our general lack of civil discourse. We are afraid. So many mass shootings. We hear stories from Bangladesh, Orlando. The news, this, all this news makes me at least want to retreat. And so I think that if Jesus were here telling this story again, he might remind us that this is not about us and them. It's not about numbers in a certain column. 
I'll take care of that. It's about relationships and community building. And so when I was reading this story and thinking about it, I remembered a book that I had read called Community by Peter Block. It's a fantastic book. And he writes, ironically, we talk of how small our world has become with the shrinking effect of globalization, instant sharing of information, quick technology, workplaces that operate around the globe. Yet these do not necessarily create a sense of belonging. They provide connection, diverse information, an infinite range of opinion. But all this does not create the connection from which we can become grounded and experience the sense of safety that arises from a place where we are emotionally, spiritually, and physiologically a member. This story is about community and belonging. We believe in a God whose very being is communal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Most of us aren't quite sure how that works, but our God is communal in being. These folks that were sent out were not sent to bring people to Christ, but it says in the very first sentence that the Lord sent them out, 70 of them, in pairs ahead of him to go to every town and place where he himself intended to go. They are all John the Baptist bringing out the good news of Jesus Christ in front of him to offer words of peace, to share meals, to tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. So we as hearers and listeners to the word must recognize that it is our role now too in a time that so desperately needs strong community builders and peacemakers. And I imagine that on a fundamental level, if I ask you why you come to church, why you are here this morning or any morning, yes, it is to worship our God, but I imagine you would also say it is to belong, to, a, to be a part of a community, to have the experience of belonging. Block tells us that community is about the experience of belonging, and to belong means to be related to or part of something. But it also has to do with being an owner and longing to be. We are also here to experience transformation in Christ, which is indeed what the disciples went out to offer. A transformation needed in every age, but felt especially perhaps in this age more acutely, when so many feel isolated, in the age of silos, in an age where we are reminded that there is an us and there is in them. 
Locke says that our essential challenge is to transform the isolation and self-interest within our communities into connectedness and caring for the whole. Community offers the promise of belonging and calls for us to acknowledge our interdependence. To belong is to act as an investor, owner, and creator of this place, to welcome even to be welcome even if we are strangers, as if we came to the right place and are affirmed for that choice. To feel a sense of belonging is important because it will lead us from conversations about safety and comfort to other conversations such as our relatedness and willingness to provide hospitality and generosity. Peter Block is a great conversation partner with Luke and Jesus. The story itself gives us the clues to this community building. Jesus reminds them multiple times, whatever is placed in front of you, eat it. If they welcome you, you're going to eat what's at their table. Because that's your payment. That alone is your payment. As a mother of three children, eating what's in front of you sounds easy, but as Larry alluded to earlier, it is not always easy to eat what is in front of you. To accept hospitality means being uncomfortable, just as it is uncomfortable to provide hospitality sometimes. This week on NPR, there was a story of a Belgian town called Gilles. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. For over 700 years, residents of Gilles have been accepting people with mental disorders, often severe mental disorders, into their homes and caring for them. One such couple, Tony Smith and Arthur Schouten, tell stories of people that were living with them, locking themselves in the, in the bathroom to furiously wash their hands, or another one who couldn't sleep because he saw lions coming out of the walls. He was really dementing, Smith says. But that doesn't affect the way that they see their borders, NPR reports. Like many hosts in jail, they accept that this is simply who their borders are. It's not abnormal or something they need to change. It's just normal life, Shouten says. Or another article that came my way, and I have been looking for good stories to contrast all of these other stories that we are being barraged with. A story from Canada of welcoming Syrian refugees from the New York Times. It writes... It says, across Canada, ordinary citizens distressed by news reports of drowning children and the shunning of desperate migrants are intervening in one of the world's most pressing problems. Their country allows them a rare power and responsibility. They can band together in small groups and personally resettle, essentially adopt a refugee family. In Toronto alone, hockey moms, dog-walking friends, book club members, poker buddies, and lawyers have formed circles to take in Syrian families. The Canadian government says sponsors officially number in the thousands, but the groups have many more extended members. 
What strikes me about both of these stories is that I cannot imagine that one day they all got together and said, let's do this thing. We've never met before, but, but let's come together. That's probably the case for some. But in my imagining, they have already been participating in communities. These are special acts by special people. This week, our youth went to a special place where there is poverty, and I imagine sometimes hopelessness, and life, and love to be shared. And our youth and adults went there not to save them or turn them to Christ or count them in numbers, but to be in relationship, to enhance a partnership that we have had for many years, but that we have a sense needs to grow. Am I right in this? Is that fair? I cannot wait to hear the stories that come out of that place. Or what I witnessed on the day that we did the community grants, watching all of you connect with the people from the community, hearing more of their stories, of what they are doing for all the members of the larger Alexandrian community. Community happens in places where people gather together in peace, over meals, and share stories. And we can't do it on our own, which is why God sends us out, or Jesus sent them out in pairs, to meet with other people. He tells them that they are being sent like lambs into the midst of wolves, but I think this is more about being lambs than it is about worrying about wolves. Being willing to create community means being vulnerable. It means bringing just yourself, leaving everything else behind so that you might be known by another. And by chance, you might know them as well. We are called to be vulnerable. It's what Christ teaches us, and it's somehow part of the plan. It is part of what makes for the kingdom of God. We rely only on the hospitality of others and on God. When you get there, eat whatever they provide. Discomfort and hospitality... And finally, remain in that house. He says this a number of times. Remain there. Stay in that house. Do not go from house to house. Build relationships wherever you find yourself. Block writes, whatever makes community building so what makes community building so complex is that it occurs in an infinite number of small steps sometimes in quiet moments that we notice out of the corner of our eye. My hope for you on this day is that you consider the communities of which you are a part, not just Westminster. How do you enter those communities? Do you bring your whole selves? Are they communities that enrich your life? Are others better for having you there? Are you able to share your stories, to share a meal, 
Are there conversations around peace and hope? Is there more weight on what is positive than all the problems of the world? Locke believes that community making needs to focus on potential, not the problems. Jesus sends us out as well, even as lambs who are vulnerable and yet filled with hope in the good news. Bringers of the good news, if you will, evangelists, if you are willing to call yourself that. There is good news to be had, hope and promise and love shared not just within these walls, but beyond. May you go out into the world as community builders. Amen.